This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Welcome back, sci-fi fans, to the Science Fictionary Podcast presented by thesciencefictionary.com. I'm Andrew. I'm here tonight with Marisha. Hello. And David. Hello. And we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching. We are going to talk a little bit of news. There's not a lot of news floating around out there right now. And we've got a couple of X-Files episodes, a couple of my favorites to talk about. So just to get right into it, as far as news stuff that's going on out there... What little there is, I think probably the biggest item for me this week was that 343 Industries decided to push the Halo release back to 2021. Really? Yeah, I figured you'd bring that up. Yeah, that's, um, and you know, it's one of those things like you hate it, but I know these companies making these games are experiencing a lot of difficulty. When you talk about working from home, you go, well, yeah, game developers can work from home. But, yeah, but when you're working in teams of 20 people or more, you know, sometimes where you're trying to collaborate with all these people and you can't sit in a room and show what you're working on, Mm -hmm. you know. it's Zoom is different. Zoom is, is still different. and. It, it's not instantaneous. Yep. You can't look across the room at somebody and say, hey, come here. And, you know, they weren't happy with where the game was. Mm-hmm. They, they could have gone ahead and released a subpar game. But I, I think that it's important to them. The last couple, they did reach and it bombed. And then they did a couple of others and it's just, they were okay, but they just never regained that they were never in any danger of being the video game. You know, Halo 2 and Halo 3 were the video games. I mean, the, yeah. the years those came out, that's the only game people talked about. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you, you had a big drop off. And, and while Reach was still sold, you know, still sold a lot of games, the thing is, is a lot of people, I bought it, I really hated that game. But the other games, it kind of like a lot of the old school Halo clans really kind of dissolved after Halo 3, you know, when when we moved on to Reach. Like my clan yeah. just just completely disappeared. Mm-hmm. And when Halo 4 and Halo 5 came out, people didn't really come back. Right. You know, everybody would show up and play it every once in a while, but not like, not seriously, not competitively. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think they want to recapture that magic and it's a perfect time to do so because Call of Duty, which was what kind of supplanted Halo in the first person shooter Mm -hmm. category has kind of fizzled on its own now. Mm -hmm. And I I think Halo's got a a great chance to jump back in here and be the shooter again. Mm -hmm. So while I'm really disappointed, I'm also really glad that they're, 
aware enough to go, the game's not where it needs to be. Let's push the release date back and get this right. There's a lot of games over the years that have released too early. And some of them, I mean, some of my favorite Call of Duty games did that. They released too early. Now they managed to finish them in progress. And, you know, after a month or two of playing, they finally got the game sorted out. But mm -hmm. you really want to get that right on the launch. So I'm, I'm really glad to see them. Even though, I, like I said, I'm disappointed now. They didn't really say when in 2021 that they're going to push to. Yeah. But they're still pushing it. Kind of the other thing that we had going on, though, Mulan is going to be on Disney+. Plus. What do y'all think about that? The important caveat, though, is that don't you have to pay like an extra 30 bucks to watch it? You will have to pay a, a, a VOD you know, viewer a fee to, to view it, yes. I'm going to pay it. I mean, that makes sense. I, I mean, the I mean, thing yeah, is, it's I... like, it's really easy to go, well, why should I have to pay for a subscription and then turn around and pay for the movie? But if they had put it on any other VOD service like Vudu or Amazon, you were mm -hmm. still going to pay the money. Yeah. You were still going to have to pay for it, and you weren't going to get it, but, you know, people are... And the thing is, they haven't... I don't... I'm not aware. Have they said yet, like, what kind of format, like... When you get it, do you have a certain amount of time you have to watch it? Or is it like, do you have it for 48 hours or from the, you Man, know, it better not be like that. Well, that's that the way a lot suck. of them are like renting on voodoo is like, I think, oh, okay. Now the caveat on voodoo is I think you get 48 hours to watch it once you hit play on it. And so I that's hope a lot of things are, but then again, how, but how much does it cost to rent something on voodoo? Um, okay, so they've had a couple of things that released basically this way on Voodoo. They did Emma, they did Trolls, Trolls, I think. And it was like you could pay like 20 bucks for basically for a VOD, you know, because it was a new release. It was basically in lieu of, of a theater release, uh, I think. So it was obviously way more than a regular VOD release, but it's basically they're trying to recoup theater money. Yeah. On VOD, which is obviously co a completely different ballpark. Right. So, well, that makes sense to me. It does to me. And I'm uh, curious how long they're going to let you have it to watch it. I, I'm kind of hoping that it's going to be like rent it and you can watch it multiple times over, you know, a, a few, at least a few days. I think um, it's like for us. But, I mean, if we can watch it twice, because there have been a several movies that we've gone to see as a family more than once, usually Star Wars movies. But, I mean, I don't even want to calculate how much money we spent going to see Star Wars movies during their theater runs, because <laughs> we all went to see Last Jedi three times, mm -hmm. five of us. One time we took an extra kid. I don't think we saw The Last Jedi. Uh, well, yeah. We did. Because y'all saw it while I went to something else one time. And and then we, we, we saw it on the way home from um, New Orleans because the kids right. wanted to go see it after we were we on our way home. We went and saw it in IMAX. Yeah. yeah, we went and saw it on IMAX. So I, I do see that. I do understand. I've seen a lot of people complaining about the $30. And yes, $30 for one person to watch a movie is pricey. Yeah. Now... For two people to go to the theater, it's real hard for two people to go to a theater for thirty bucks. You can't get popcorn right. and a drink and two people in fact, go to the theater for thirty bucks. In fact, most theaters, if you're going in the evenings, you're not. You're just getting in the door. Yeah. At that thirty buck, you know level. Yeah. 
And I mean, for us, it cost us almost a hundred dollars to all go to the movies. So, but yeah, but, but for for families, get this popcorn is, and a drink. This is a steal for yeah. us to watch this movie, so, especially if we can see it more than once. So yeah, and we're gonna have to see what they're, uh, yeah, exactly how they're gonna release it. I'm I'm curious. I'm I mean, I do understand that these companies still have to try to recoup their money. I don't agree with the just give it to us for free mantra I've seen out there about, well, we're paying for a service. You ought to just give it to us for free. It's like, unfortunately that's what they did with upward. It was now upward. Didn't have nearly the momentum behind it that Mulan did. Well, and it also didn't cost nearly as much money. Yep. But unfortunately I think that they sort of unintentionally set a little bit of a precedent with that. Whenever they just dropped up upward on, Disney Plus for free. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. But we're talking about a $200 million budget movie this time. Yeah. Um, I, so, I'm not going to lie. I didn't even watch Upward Free, though it though it was. <laughs> I was just that interested in it. I mean, but it's going to be really interesting. You know, if they make money on this... What is this? You know, I mean, we've talked about this some before, but what's you know, next? what's next? If Black Widow. yeah, yeah, and that—that's the real question. And that's what I wanted to ask y'all was, what do you think the odds of them following suit with Black Widow? Because they've already made statements that they're—they don't intend for the schedule to be disrupted, right? By any of this. As far as the yeah. release order, because, you know, as we know with Marvel stuff, it's all interconnected and it needs to release an order. What do y'all think about Black yeah, Widow I, following I, I suit? I don't even remember when the next Marvel, I think it's supposed to come out like November 2021 was going to be Eternals. Um, I think that's going to be the next Marvel one, unless I'm forgetting something. But then also there's the, but then there's the shows <clears> in between. I mean. Wasn't like Winter Soldier, Falcon and Winter Soldier supposed to come out at the end of this year? See, yeah. I honestly think Winter Soldier, one of them had a release date of, I believe, August. Really? Was it like WandaVision maybe? Because we were getting a lot of footage from that. I mean, a lot of this stuff was coming out pretty fast. So if Black Widow somehow has to come out before then, I could definitely see. I, I guess it just depends on, on how much money Mulan makes. I mean, I think it's definitely fair charging yep. the 30 bucks. It's like, y- y'all just perfectly explained it. And I hope they make their money back. I mean, not that they need it, but, you know, I don't want them to lose money. And, you know, a lot of times um, executives and companies, they learn the, lo- the wrong lessons from things. Yes. And I don't want them to, like, this movie not make money and then them learn the lo- the wrong lesson and be like, oh, okay, it's because there's a like there's a female in it, so we can't make money off of it. <laughs> or, and or, then never do that. You know? Right. You know what I'm saying? Or like, oh um, no, we made a, learn- a movie set in China with Chinese actors. That didn't make any money. Don't exactly. do that again. It's like, no, don't and you're you are absolutely right. Sometimes you like you look at the things that executives take away from movies and it's like how on earth did you not factor in the other things going here? Exactly. Exactly. And that's my fear is like, you know, like, you know, Deadpool came out and then every freaking movie for the rest of eternity is an R rated movie and they're pushing <laughs> to make it R rated. Right. You know, stuff like that. They learn, they learn the wrong lessons. And so I hope this movie makes money uh-huh. and I hope they go, okay, this worked out. Let's release black widow like this. But then I hope 
they don't release Black Widow like that, and Black Widow makes a lot of money. And then my train of thoughts starts to lead to what if they start thinking, huh? I wonder if we can just you know slap a slap a price tag on Falcon Winter Soldier and let's 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 throw down some money on let's say uh, we pay twenty bucks to see WandaVision and Loki and stuff like that. So then all I think of a sudden, that's sort of a dangerous precedent that could be set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I, the thing they they could go that route. Now those those things were made with the budget in mind for Disney Plus. I I don't think it's a time. I think it's a time we're getting greedy. Would not go well for any company. No, but that I doesn't have, mean that people won't, though. Unfortunately, right now, as far as the movie release schedule, currently Black Widow is what I see here is November sixth as the release window for Black Widow, and that's actually followed up fairly quickly by the Eternals with a February release and really? oh, Shang Chi with a May release. And then wow, Spider Man three next, and then Spider Man three next November. So your next November is Spider Man three. That's what I'm seeing right here. Now that may or may not be. I, I think some of this is probably going to shift around a little They're bit. They're going to. I mean, the thing is, I but, know that that they they halted filming for six months. They're not going to be able to keep that schedule up for the things that were supposed to have been filming since March. Right. You're probably well, going to see it. They'll just, they'll just throw a green screen on there and CGI the whole thing. Don't uh, worry about well, it. Well, they can just Yay. use the volume now, right? That's true. <laughs> so I am curious to see how this is affected. I, I do think we're going to see... Um, now, this isn't even this isn't from an official site that I'm reading those dates, but it is one that should be relatively accurate but i do expect to see a little bit of a pushback but we know they wanted to crank back up to that three movie a year release date pretty quickly so it's going to be interesting now shang chi had been filming which was set to release in may and the eternal should be about done filming mm-hmm. so it is possible that those could still release on time if they get back and get the filming done yeah. Quickly. You might not see more than a month or two of push on those. Like Star Wars was done for six months before it released and it just kind of sat there. So sometimes they do that on movies. So if they have enough wiggle room with some of these Marvel releases, then I guess that makes it a lot more likely that they could still release on time. They just will basically be working on it up until release time as opposed to having that nice buffer where we can fix things if we need to. Right. Now, kind of the other side of this, what I was thinking about this, because, you know, a lot of people are heralding this as the death of theaters. No way. And and it may change theaters for a little while. They, you know... Now, of course, you know, AMC Theaters just spent an unbelievable amount of money upgrading their theaters just before this hit. Right. So I, I don't think, I think when when they're allowed to, theaters are going to be raring to put people back in seats. Yep. And I think people are going to go. Um, you see people already going to things that are not necessarily probably even good ideas, but people are doing them. And the brewery is full of uh, trivia. Right. Marisha went by tonight. the brewery to pick up a pizza tonight, and everybody's in there for trivia night. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But, I I mean, I know that I'm not alone in this. I love watching a movie in a theater. I don't care how many times I've seen it. 
there are certain mm-hmm. movies that if they come up in the theater again, I love the Fathom Events stuff. Mm-hmm. If something, a movie I love comes up on Fathom Events, I go. And I, I think that's how you ended up watching Star Trek, the motion picture, correct? I was about to say, that's exactly how. That's, that's probably my favorite movie-watching experience of all time was watching Star Trek, the motion picture, and like this like super decked-out, nice theater. Yeah, right. I totally agree with you. I mean, that's my favorite thing to do, ever. And to so, go watch a movie. I, yep. I love it. So what do y'all think the odds that when this calms down and we're not in a busy movie release season that Mulan gets dropped in the theaters? Oh, I'll, I'll pay to see it again. I'll pay to go see it on a big screen. I mean... Uh, Probably. Yeah. So I'm Basically, I'm wait until there's a lull yeah. in... in at least in what Disney's dropping. Yeah. Right. And, you know, this isn't the only movie we see doing this. I mean, you've got a movie coming out, I think, this month, this, or the beginning of next month with the new Bill and Ted film. Yeah. That is doing a simultaneous VOD theater release. Yeah. And that's probably going to start sort of how... I could see that just becoming the norm, even when all this is over. Yeah. Um my my thought for for movie theaters, and I started thinking this when this all kind of started. And before this, I never would have even fathomed that it w- would be like this. But I have this feeling that movie theaters and the movie going experience, in some time, is gonna sort of become the same as like buying comic book. You know, comic book stores used to be the biggest deal in the world, right? Back whenever they were first invented and their competition was stickball. <laughs> that was it. And now right. there's all these different things. So the, the idea of reading comic books is, is very, very, very niche. Right. And comic book stores are dying and there's fewer and fewer, fewer of them. And it's like this, it's a hobby, right? Right. Especially because if you want to read comic books, grab your tablet and go to one of the like five different websites where you can do that and buy comic book digitally. It's much more convenient. makes much more sense. I could see movies sort of becoming like that where whenever a movie gets released, there's a VOD release and there's Mm -hmm. also the theater and the theater is a little bit more inconvenient, but people are still going to go to it, but there's going to be a very large shift of people the casual audience, mm-hmm. I'd say, who are going to just plop down on their couch and, and order it VOD. And and movie theaters are probably this is now this is not something I expect to see next year. I'm thinking like within the next like 20 years is sort right. of where my mind's at. Like lots of movie theaters dropping off. They're becoming like one per town. And I know like in Natchez there's already one, but like at least here within. 20 minutes of me, there are like four different theaters. I can right. Right. Um, that's probably, that number is probably going to drop significantly. There's probably going to be a lot more of the, it's going to be, it, it's either going to become a lot more of a niche, like, Oh, you go see movies. Why not just buy them on DVD? Like going to the theater, wanting that classic feeling. And it's like a hobby almost, mm-hmm. or it's going to become more luxury. And movie theaters are already moving this way with some yeah. like movie taverns and even AMC getting super fancy. But I'm thinking like mm-hmm. I could see it becoming a very luxury experience. And that's movie theaters only way to like compete with the VOD thing is to say, 
you want to come to the theater because we're going to give you foot rubs and massages while you're watching the movie. Like, you know, I can see things moving in, in, in either of those extreme directions or both at the same yeah. time. Either way, the movie going experience and movie theaters as we know them right now are, are pretty much going to cease to exist right. um, within the next 10 to 15, 20 years, I really do think. Well, I mean, just in the last, I guess, really, in, in just a little over 20 years, when I went to see The Phantom Menace in the theater, when the, when the Lucasfilm logo came up, th- the crowd just roared. You know, it was this huge moment, and it was really cool to be there in that theater and have that moment with that crowd. Mm-hmm of just sheer excitement that you were fixing to see Star Wars again. Mm -hmm. Since that, over the last little over 20 years, I've seen that die Mm -hmm. where you very rarely get a crowd that responds like that in the theater. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of part of that people come becoming callous to the experience. And then from there, it just kind of, it becomes it, it becomes less of a, a thing about excitement, and it's just that you're going there because it's the only way to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that's why you're seeing like the advent of uh, 4D TV or 4D movies, where you kind of get the mm-hmm. you know a little bit of the seats move and all that stuff, and where you get things like IMAX. So yeah, I mean, you may start to see theaters have to. Play Bump their ante even more. Well, and, and that it's not like it's what David's talking about. It's a it's a premium experience. It's not yeah. it's not just to watch the movie because the other thing is is in that in that same amount of time, TVs have improved so much. Yes, that um, is true. I mean those tube TVs. That I mean that was the thing in two thousand and three, two thousand two, two thousand three. I bought a TV. It was a big tube TV, but you could buy the flat panels, but they mm-hmm. were expensive. Mm-hmm. And the tube TVs were still pretty much on par, and that's what I had. And mm-hmm. um, and then in 2007, I bought a 47-inch TV that cost twice what the current 60-inch TV I had cost. You can buy an 80-inch TV for what I bought that 47-inch screen for. Yeah, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And so, I mean, the fact that 80- and 100-inch screens are reasonably priced now mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't help theaters no that not that everybody of... has a, has room for that but i think you're always going to have the people that are sometimes we go see a movie that we've seen before because it's just a, you know and, and you you don't know this yet david because you're you're not married and stuck at home <laughs> but sometimes you get a chance to go somewhere and you just go <laughs> You know, and it doesn't matter are, where it is yeah. as long as there are no tiny voices. So, yeah, but I, I do <laughs> think that this could change the the theater experience. So I guess we'll see how that pans out. But um, kind of moving on before we get into the X-Files, what ha- or did y'all have any more news? David, did you have any more news items? Um, I just want to talk real quick about The Witcher Blood Origin. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so... It was announced recently Netflix is producing another Witcher show. Of course, season two is still coming. Um, 
not sure when on that one, but it, it's coming. It's coming, uh, coming hot, coming fast. Can't wait. Very excited. I love The Witcher season one. Yeah, we've talked a bit about The Witcher recently with our Pillars of Fantasy and stuff like that. Um, we may talk about it again coming up next week. Little teaser. Um, and I love the show. I know you guys like the show too. And they recently announced that they're going to be producing a prequel spinoff show called The Witcher Blood Origin. It takes place. Uh, 1,200 years before the events of the first season. And it's looking like it's going to explore all sorts of different aspects of the world and, and how things came to be. Stuff hmm. like the, the first Witchers, um, why they were invented, the, the process behind that, um, how things led up to where they are now. Um, more of the actual process of becoming a Witcher getting delved into because it's a pretty crazy thing i don't even remember if they really went into it in the show not much not, not really um i know yeah i didn't think so it's it's a it's a really interesting process uh becoming a witcher and what a witcher actually means and actually is um and the mutations and stuff they go through and it also looks like they're going to start talk they're going to talk more about the uh the lodge of uh of, of mages just like you know the group of mages and stuff like that how they sort of came into power mm. a lot of the different political settings and how that was established um hopefully it's going to explore all of that and really flesh it out because i mean i don't know about you guys but watching the show even though i'm a huge fan i had to re-watch a few scenes a couple of times to understand what they were talking about mm -hmm. with all the different names of the countries and locations and yep. histories and stuff like that and i've read the books and played the games like yeah i still get confused um yeah. and it's a confusing world in fact before the video games came out there wasn't even a map explaining the video game oh, developers wow. had to make the map uh, to try to flesh it out right and so not that it isn't fleshed out it's very fleshed out in fact that's kind of the thing it's so fleshed out that it's complex right and, and it needs to be broken down and they did such a great job writing where Nobody was like dropping heavy exposition dumps out of nowhere, but also nobody was dropping any expo exposition Ex dumps exactly anywhere. So, <laughs> yeah, anywhere. Yeah, so we were a little lost. So I hope that it, it explains all that. I, I'm excited to see more of that show. Um, you know, if it's the same people behind the first season, I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah. Um, it'll be awesome to see more of that world, probably some more fairy tale stuff, because mm -hmm. uh, we saw a good glimpse of it, but The Witcher is very, very fairy tale based. It loves playing with those conventions, mm -hmm. um, loves playing with all the different creatures and, and stories and stuff like that. I mean, in that world, there's versions of every fairy tale that we have in the real world. There are versions of that that exist in The Witcher world. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's very important. So I hope we get to see all sorts of stuff like that. I, I, I'm very excited to see what they do with that. And I'll definitely be binge watching it when it first comes out. Yeah. Cool. So are, are these stories that will come from the books, from the, from the original sources? Or will these be something uh, that someone's going to have to write? Um, no books or anything I've ever tackled this. Every okay. book... Everything that has ever been written about The Witcher so far has been about Geralt. So gotcha. I'm hmm. sure they're going to be able to draw on a history that is mentioned in the books and described in the books. 
but the actual stories themselves and like the characters and stuff like that, that this is all going to have to be like originally written stuff. It sounds like um, they're going very much charge of it. Very much the same direction that the um, Middle Earth series is going. There, you, there's a lot of source material. There's a lot of information, but it's going to be original, original stories. Right, and and that you know worries me and excites me at the same time. Exactly. Like I said, there's there's really been Amen. nothing about The Witcher that hasn't been about Geralt of Rivia. Right. So it's kind of a big risk not having a Witcher story based off of Geralt. And I think that's going to, it's going to be a real testing ground for this world. Mm -hmm. If the world is, when we take away the incredible protagonist that is Geralt, Mm -hmm. is the world still good enough on its own to stand? Right. And And if it's not, then that's going to suck. Right. It's not going to work. And that, that's always the risk. I mean, there's that, there's some of that same concern. I think the Mandalorian broke those concerns down but you know there there's had to be some concern about that with star wars like and and, and clearly the studio had some fears about that as well which is why they drew the original cast in for the sequels because Mm -hmm. will the you know is this going to stand without our original characters yeah and you know, it's Han and Luke and Leia and Chewbacca and R two and three PO and Anakin. It's like when you move you away from that, what Star, is Star Wars, Wars with become? no Skywalkers, you know. Right. So, and I, I like I said, I think that the yes. Mandalorian really eases those thoughts mm-hmm. because they did such a great job with it. Yeah, but it it is a risk um, yeah. to to venture it's away from the core, right? right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that'll be very interesting to see, and I uh, loved the first season of The Witcher, so definitely uh, excited to see more of that. Yeah, great fantasy show. Uh, we mentioned it when we talked about our pillars of fantasy TV list, but with the way it's going, like I really did love that first season so much that in five years, ten years time, I could see people talking about The Witcher mm-hmm. as a same pillar of, of, of being so influential just like Game of Thrones was in yeah. a way. Right. And, and I think that you can make Who's an argument. I think that it's real easy to make an argument if you were making a list of the 20 best fantasy shows of all time. Yeah. You're probably putting The Witcher on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just that's not the I list. Would've. That's not the list we were making. <laughs> but as far as is what it is. If that's the list we were making, I don't see how you could leave it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. It definitely would have, uh, definitely would have beat supernatural. <laughs> right. Right. No offense to the supernatural fandom. Well, I mean, that's the thing when you kind of look at our pillars list, I mean, it certainly tops a good portion of our pillars list. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, some of those things but, weren't, you know, haven't exactly what you would call held up. Right, but, but that's, that, that's the interesting thing about the, the Pillars conversation is that it's not your favorite, it's not the best, it's the ones that were important to right. creating the things that we love now. Right. So It's yeah. really nice when it just so happens that the most important is your favorite. Right. But and, it isn't always. And I think we're going to get some of those tonight. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Uh, I think we're going to get some of those when we do our, our Pillars of Fantasy movie yeah. list. Yeah. But anyway, 
real quick wanted to mention some things we've been watching. Of course, we've been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as we always have. And where we watched the first episode of the two-part finale right before we recorded tonight. We had really wanted to get through it to talk about it tonight, but we're going to have to wait and talk about it next week. But if you at some point gave up on this show... Go back and watch this season. Go back. It doesn't even matter. Like, just skip ahead and watch this season. They took a year and a half to make this season to get it right. Yeah. And it has so far, like I said, I'm, I'm one hour away from finishing it. But it has been so good. Every episode, I mean, there's been a couple that were a little slower than others, but... It's been so good. It's been such a good season. Okay, but I have to say, though... Fitz and Simmons better get a happily ever after by the time this dead gum thing is over, or I'm going to riot. This show. I was literally about to say his if dr- they don't if they don't get a happy ending. Oh my gosh! Then I don't want to watch it. This show has dragged those poor characters through more crap than any other Especially couple. Especially Fitz. Poor Fitz. Fitz deserves to I be know, happy. Man. By golly! Now I think some of that was just by virtue of. He's such a great actor. Yeah. It's like, well, let's they give him good do things these to do. really hard things with him, and he could do it. Um, not to take away from the acting ability of, of everyone else in the show, because everybody's done a pretty good job, but he is a... F- and we have not seen him this entire season. The whole season, I've been like, all I want is to see Fitz. And honestly, I would be happy if we got to see Brett Dalton again. He was always one of my favorites. Yeah. But we're not going to spoil well, anything about the season. He was but... the best villain in the MCU. Absolutely. Yeah. For a good long while, he was probably the best villain in the MCU. And I'm I'm really curious to see how they're going to tie all this back together. Like I said, I'm not going to get into spoilers because... And they did drop um, his name at some point. Like, you know, like, oh, we were in the past. We could kill all the villains. We could kill Grant Ward. And right. I was like, yes, we want to see Grant Ward. And then it was like, nothing, nothing, nothing. We wanted to see Grant Ward. Right. So one episode left on that. Hopefully they... Uh, Finish it out strong. I think they will. They will. Um, where, where can you? That's on um, ABC. So can, you can watch the watch it on Hulu. Huh? It's on. Yeah. Yes, it's on Hulu. Hulu. How many episodes are in this last season? Um, ten. Yeah, it's it's short. It's, it's a short, it's a short season. Ten. I think so. All right, I'm gonna binge watch it at, for next week. Oh, good. Okay. Then we can just yeah. all talk about it next week. We yeah. shall have a spoilery episode. I think the only thing I didn't see was like the season that came before it. I yeah. think I stopped. I mean, honestly, you could really just that. read, oh. maybe watch the last episode. Yeah, I would say, and it does look like it's actually 13 episodes this season, okay. but it still should be manageable for you. Um, we'll, we'll do that instead of uh, X-Files for this coming week. Yeah, that'll be good. And uh, cool. so we can just binge and we can talk about this season because uh, we, do, we can do a spoiler episode next week because we just give well, everybody a warning it. and talk about it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's been really good. And if I were you, I would just find a synopsis somewhere like Wikipedia or somewhere for season six and just catch up that way. Man, I'll watch a YouTube video. That's what I did for the last season of uh, Game of Thrones. I was like, yeah, everybody hates this. That's okay. That ain't no problem. problem. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, In fact, it would have been even better if you didn't watch the video or the season. (laughs) 
So the the other thing that we've been watching that I wanted to mention, and we're we're not even quite halfway through, or we might be right at halfway through this season, mm-hmm. is the Umbrella Academy. Yeah, which has been better. Like the first season really took a little while. Like the to last kind of, three episodes were were wild. I just don't enjoy Ellen Page that much. Right. Um, just as an actress, like she's just not super. Di- Maybe it's just her character, but the character no, is a little. It's her character blah. and it's her. She's just very, very vanilla, and it's. But this season has well. Yeah. Last season, it was like the first two thirds of the season were just very slow, and it was building you. It was building the story, and I understand that, but it just. It just and, and a lot of Netflix shows have actually suffered from this, mm-hmm. where they just take too long to get to build momentum. And maybe because they're pretty confident that people are going to sit and binge the whole thing, so it's not like they have to hold your attention for a whole week. Right. They just have to hold your attention, give you just enough of a cliffhanger that you push watch next. <laughs> right. And for real. Yeah, no, that because a lot of people do just it, it comes out on a Friday and they're going to watch it that weekend. But this season picked up where the last season left off momentum-wise mm-hmm. and has not checked up yet. No, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. Klaus is the best. Klaus is a good character. He's one of the best things about um, that. He is, but five may be... That's true, yeah. Like, one of my current favorite sci-fi characters on Man, TV Man, right that kid is going to go... If that kid doesn't go places, there is something wrong with Hollywood. I know we've kind of gone over this all before, but it's still true. <laughs> but um, we by next week, we will have finished both of those series, and we'll get into them some. But David, is there anything you've been watching? Uh, actually, this week, um, thank, thank God for y'all's voodoo, I wanted to say, because <laughs> um, it has made my life so much better. I've been working some uh, pretty boring shifts at work, and having the every the Lord of the Rings extended edition on that voodoo uh, at my fingertips. I had the DVDs, right. But having them on my phone uh-huh. right there. Yeah. It has been a lifesaver and I have been watching all of them. I don't remember even the last time that I watched the theatrical cut. Uh, cause I'm so used to these Why? wonderful extended editions. Why is there even a theatrical cut anymore? <laughs> we saw it in the theater. We bought it when it came out because we're all suckers but now we have the extended cuts. Yeah. I, I haven't watched the. Exactly. I, haven't, I haven't watched the theatrical cuts since I bought the the uh, the extended versions. We still had them on DVD up until like two years ago, but we hadn't watched them in two decades. No, I got lucky when I got when I bought I, I bought box sets of the mm-hmm. extended versions that came. Each one came with a statue from Weta Studios. Uh huh. It came with a either an extra DVD, like one of them has the orchestra doing all the music, and one uh-huh. of them has like how they created Gollum and and all that. And I think I bought all three movies with all that extra stuff for like thirty bucks. Yeah, um, but that's a good one to do. How long has it been since you watched never, it? How long has it been since I watched it? How, how long has it had it been since you watched it? Probably about six months. Oh, okay. I, 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 so not very on long. Average, I watch all of them about six months. Okay. Every six months. Yeah. Last time we watched um, it, I hadn't watched it in a couple of years. Um, and it was like, wow, mm-hmm. this really holds up. Right. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll tell you when I watched the theatrical cut, whenever it was on Netflix. 
which was okay. probably about a year ago. Okay. Um, I went ahead and watched them again. And you know what? Those theatrical cuts, are, they're still great. They're yep. still wonderful oh, yeah. films. There was nothing wrong with the theatrical cuts Mm-mm. at all. No. Right. Um, but you know what? We don't need to talk anymore about that because I'm sure we will later. Yep. Yes. There is much to say about Lord of the Rings. Is that kind of what inspired you there on Lord That's of the exactly Rings? exactly what inspired me, yeah. Uh-huh. Was knowing we have the uh, the Pillars of Fantasy series going on and I uh-huh. wanted to talk about it with uh, with with uh, with it fresh in my mind. Yes. So I watched them. All right, good deal. Well, how how are we doing on? Oh, X Files. We got X Files. We're gonna jump back. It's been a, been a few weeks. It's really it's been a couple of months since we yep. did any X Files because we got into the pillars of sci fi and we were still doing our Star Trek and there just wasn't room for X Files at the time. But we're ready to. Squeeze some X-Files back in here. And so the episode that I had y'all watch this week, or the first one that I had y'all watch, was episode 17 of season one, EBE. Extra, ex, extraterrestrial Biological Entity. Uh-huh. So what did y'all, what were y'all's first thoughts on that episode? I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I've loved watching these Monster of the Week episodes that we've been reviewing mostly. Um, but I'll be honest... When I say, up until these two recent episodes you had us watch, I really wasn't hooked on the show. Um, I was enjoying the Monster of the Week episodes, but I mm-hmm. didn't feel like I had to press play next. Right. Um, right. I wasn't too excited about them, just because I hadn't gotten into the mythology episodes yet as much. Right. Um, but with this episode, really started that like hit of, I have got to see what happens next mm-hmm. i right. really got to keep watching this show it, it, and and it was great it, it be, i could instantly tell like i feel like in, in in this episode there was a big jump in filmmaking quality mm-hmm. um there was I, I, there was a lot of attention to detail and the way the scenes were shot and framed mm-hmm. and, and blocked and I really enjoyed that. I love noticing things like that. Um, and this this episode did a great job of that. One of the best scenes um, that I've seen in a long time in anything uh, was the scene at the end with um, with, with the the glass window and mm, Deep Throat right. Mauler. And so, do you want to look and see what's through there? That was that was an excellent excellent moment of television um mm-hmm. so suspenseful just like i could feel like the the air was so thick in that room that i could feel it through my phone screen like 22 years after it was filmed like it was that mm-hmm. good um and i really enjoyed seeing everything like really start to ramp up and, and really move forward at a nice pace um and stuff's getting real Stuff's getting real and real quick. It's going to 100 and it's getting intense, dude. Yeah. I'm loving it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, this one really ramps up the idea that there are, there, there are, there's competition going on within uh-huh. the government. Like there are all mm-hmm. these different shadow governments. Uh huh. Within the government, and, and we see shadow a lot of organizations within shadow organizations <laughs> within shadow organizations. Right, and so we we start to see a lot of that in this one, and uh, we get introduced to some characters who we're going to see a fair amount more of in the Lone Gunman. Mm-hmm. 
the Lone Gunman, they actually attempted. There's a one. There's one season of a spinoff of the Lone Gunman out there. It just never. <laughs> it just never gained traction. But they they tried because those characters became so popular huh. that they tried to spin them off, and it just could not gain traction. But they were airing it while X Files was still on, and it just it couldn't it, it couldn't was, compete. It couldn't compete with itself. Yeah. Yeah, but it was like, this is the first one, like, Mulder's always, like, kind of a little bit at the mercy of the, of the people around him. But this is the first one where you see people really jerking his chain. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. you, like, really empathize with his just indignation over, like, you lied to me. So now, like, you know, this source has been so reliable and he started to, like, kind of trust him. And now he's kind of realizing, oh, wait a second. You have an agenda, too. Trust no one. Right. Yeah, everybody's got an agenda. And it's really hard to keep track and figure out what it is. And it keeps you on your mm -hmm. toes trying to figure out what this deep, as Scully keeps calling him, this deep throat character is yeah. up to it's 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 really good tv because it's, it's genuinely mm -hmm. like i don't know what's gonna happen but but not in a sense of like the writing's bad but the writing is so good that i yeah. don't know what these characters are gonna do what are their motivations who can i trust and all you know really all you know in the show is i like moeller i like Sco i like I like Mulder. I like Scully. Right. I hope they are okay. Right. <laughs> That's it. That's all you know. That's all you have to go with when watching the show. So your only hope the whole time is like, I hope that no one shoots them in the head. Right. <laughs> no one's probably going to try to do that. And yeah. they're going to, they're going to start a couple times. They're constantly in danger. Um, yeah. Great episode. Yeah. And, and you're right. It introduces it's like, and they've never hid that. Yes, there are aliens here. Right, like the, from the from like the I think it was like the third episode, the, whichever one Deep Throat was first introduced. Deep was like, "Yep, they're here. They've been here for a while." Uh -huh. Like I love that, and this is like some just some amazing scenes, some amazing sets. I love the shot of them going in the back of that truck and seeing that um that like place where the alien like uh, they assume the alien would be like all like tied up and stuff like that, and it's mm -hmm. empty and. That whole scene and and Mulder is and Mulder's like oh I think we just witnessed um, a rescue mission and and like yeah. great lines in mm -hmm. these yeah. episodes um, great I, I loved I loved this episode yeah yeah it's it's an interesting one it's uh, one that the showrunners um, James Wong didn't really like the episode he wasn't happy he he didn't think he accomplished what he was trying to accomplish. That's but crazy. Chris Carter, the creator, the creator of the show, of the show mm -hmm. thought that this was one of the best episodes of the entire first season. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I tend to be with him on that. And it, and it really is. And it's one that like it just it holds up. And it's as much as you love the the Monster of the Week episodes can be so much fun. And some of them are so good and just great pieces of science fiction all by themselves because that's what they're designed to be. I mean, the, 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 mm -hmm. the mythology is what keeps you coming back. Yeah. 
And and this was where the mythology really kicked into high gear. We Before, we had just kind of had little hints, other than the closest we had gotten before was when Mulder found some stuff and they erased his memory. Yeah. Right. And this is like full-on confirmation that, that this stuff's out there. It's happening. The shadow government conspiracies aren't just conspiracies. It's real. And they really are out to get him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. And he, you are in danger, my friend. Yeah. Like he, they, they really are threatened by him. And, and they're threatened by him. And, and it, it, it makes me like worried for him. Like genuinely at any moment, mm-hmm. I feel like these characters could just be shot in the face and dumped over a bridge somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's like, it's like, it's like so much tension because you're watching them push the envelope. And you're hoping that they don't burst it. Yeah, it's great. And, and the the great thing about that, what you're talking about, is that you won't find out. You will only find out little pieces across the entire series up until the very end of what it, you know why they were able to make it through all this. We're still finding out things in the revival series that they did twenty years later. Right. Like literally, they dropped. They answered questions in that that last season of that the revival last season answered a lot of the questions. It left some stuff open, yep. but it answered a lot of questions in typical fashion. Um, but the next episode, I wanted to go ahead this week and wrap up the mythology for season one. And, and there's a couple of monster of the week episodes I want to go back and touch on. Like I said before. Season one, there's like almost no episodes that I can justify skipping. Yeah. But I wanted to go ahead and close out the mythology and then we'll go back because I guess it'll be two weeks before we do X-Files again. But what I'm going to give you is going to be three episodes across two in season or maybe one in season one and two in season two Mm -hmm. that are, they're not related, but they're the same if you had to categorize them as a subgenre, they would be the same subgenre. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but we wanted to wrap up the mythology. So next, we jumped ahead from episode 17, EBE, to episode 24, which was called the the Erlenmeyer Flask, which is just such a good season finale. But I want to know what y'all thought about it. While watching it, I mean... And, I mean, I'm sure my opinion will calm down a little bit, and I'm jumping the gun, but I'm thinking to myself while I'm watching it that this is one of, like, the best hours of tele- or 45 minutes of television that I've seen in at least a very long time. This was just mind-blowing. Like, there are so many moments in the episode where like, I, I, I paused and was like, holy crap, mm-hmm. okay, it's right there. It's right in front of us. Nope, you know, we saw... A little alien baby body, you know, like just like whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, right? Like when they did that, I really did stop and think, like they freaking did it! <laughs> Holy crap! And like when Scully's when Scully's talking to that um uh, to the DNA scientist, and she's like, "This is extraterrestrial," uh-huh. and Scully's like, "Holy crap!" Like it, it, it's such this you're right great season finale, and it, it really makes season one feel like a full complete story i mean obviously there's right. a lot left to go but it's this full com- 
complete arc of starting the season. Scully is not feeling any of it. She's the rational one. She's the one saying that, no, 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 there's an explanation for all this crap. She's doubting all of it. And now we're looking at her holding in her hand an extraterrestrial body. Great moment. I love when she apologizes to Mulder because, like, and she genuinely feels, like, in the way that she acted and portrayed that scene, like, she genuinely feels so sorry that she was doubting him Mm -hmm. because of what she has just witnessed herself. The freaking scene where he's walking through and there's all these bodies suspended in that gel, in that warehouse, and the, like, jaw-dropping, mind-blowing visuals. I can especially imagine, like, if you're watching the show for the first time back when it's, as it's coming out, and you've been watching this whole first season, and it gets to this point, and everything that you've been wanting to see is, like, finally, like, you know, being thrown at your face. Mm-hmm. Um, great season finale, great television, great acting, just very tense and, and, and very it keeps you on your toes so much. And like, I genuinely feel like, even though I know they're not going to kill these characters off, I genuinely feel so much stress and tension for them the whole time. Yeah. Because I'm very, very much aware of the danger that they're in. And, and, and the more they push, the more that they stretch that rubber band, you know, like the more I'm afraid it's going to pop every second, I'm afraid it's going to pop. And then Deep Throat was great in this. You're learning more about him. And, and, and every time you think you've got him figured out, there's something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. It, it really goes into that, like, there are shadow organizations at war with other shadow organizations that all share the same name. And, you know, it's like, it's it's incredible stuff. And you really don't know what's going on. It's such a great conspiracy show. Yeah. I just like, it, it, it's so tense. Like, such an incredible episode of TV. I, one that I think I'll probably be rewatching um, for sure. I loved it. I, I thought that this was awesome. And like I said before, like I've liked all the episodes and I've even said I've loved the episodes and they've been great episodes of television, but I've not been hooked on wanting to know what happens in this show and to these characters right. until now. I really haven't. I mean, and honestly, there are, Sometimes, just as a viewer, it's nice to watch a show that you're not just dying to see the next one. You can just enjoy it when you turn it on. and But not really be that invested in, like, what happens next. Because it's not, like, unrelated. Like, I've been watching MacGyver. Like, okay, in the next episode, you know, whenever I turn it on, it'll be its own little thing. And it'll be, like, a one-off. And then, but Mm -hmm. as a, you know, somebody making shows, you, you want people to just be, like chomping at the bit to see the next episode. So you can definitely see why they decided to kind of intersperse their, their monsters with like, Oh my gosh, did they (laughs) really just do that? And how about, I mean, like most Indiana Jones ending ever, right? Set that, that last scene with the smoking man in in, uh, in the Pentagon, in the the, the warehouse. It was like, huh, Mm -hmm. I've seen that room before. Yeah, it's kind of that kind of that has to become a bit of a trope. I've noticed that in several things that I've watched. I was like, oh, it's the Indiana Jones room, you know. So did y'all expect them <laughs> to kill Deep Throat at the end of that episode? I did not. Like, no. I really thought that Deep Throat just stuck around, like, indefinitely. 
I no. mean, yeah, yeah and, and, and you was... would have assumed Deep Throat was going to be around for a while, but you could tell all along that he was nervous about yeah. what was going down. And yeah, the scary thing is, yeah. though, he was the one that was kind of protecting Mulder a little bit. Well, and he protected he protected Scully at the end. Had Scully made the attempted to make the exchange, she would have been the one dead. Yeah. But he knows yeah, that and, and they're so the only ones that can bring all this to light. Exactly. And that's what he said. And, and, and at, at that point, I felt that you could truly sort of like stop and realize like, okay, he genuinely wants this stuff to come out. Um, I think he talked about how, and, and the episode before, he talked about how he, how he killed the, uh, he himself uh, killed a, an alien. Mm-hmm. and how it looks so innocent and how it's like haunted him ever since. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he's experienced many things like that. And it makes him really interesting character. Like, and he knows he can't just expose it. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. You can't just post a picture on the internet. And it's out there. It right. needs to come out from these, from, from these are the two who can do what I need done. Yeah. I can't do this mission. I need them to do it. I'm going to guide them. And, yeah, I did not expect him to kill off Deep Throat. Uh, like like Marisha said, I thought he'd just be kind of around. And so my jaw like dropped. I really did whenever I heard that gunshot go off and he fall over. Holy crap. That was mm-hmm. a great moment. And then she goes up to him and he's like and he said I'm like, he's gonna say trust no one, isn't he? <laughs> and then he <laughs> says trust no one. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. but <laughs> I loved it. Um yeah, really shocking and it's it, it's like holy crap, where did they go? Um, they're shut down, but you know he's not going to stop. Right. Um, he probably wants, but I also think it's interesting because the way that that Mulder's talking, it's like I think he wants Scully to stop because he doesn't want her to get hurt because it's getting a man was just shot in front of him. I mean, this is this mm-hmm. is dangerous, and right. they're shut down. He's going to keep going. He's not going to stop because, of course, the truth is out there. Right. And but you, and you caught the use of that Scully. right at the end. That Mulder used the, the tagline. That Mulder used the tagline again at the end of the episode when she asked him if he's going to keep going. Yeah. He says the truth is out there. Right. Exactly. But I don't. One thing I don't know if you did catch because if you weren't paying attention, you would have missed it. You know, the tagline "the truth is out there" appears at the beginning of every episode. Mm-hmm. Did y'all notice that yeah. it wasn't there uh, this episode? No. It said, trust no one. Really? Oh, that's so cool. So, yeah, the tagline at the beginning of that episode read is, trust no one. It's the only episode that that appeared. And so by the end, Mulder brings it back around to the truth is out there. And and that was one of the cool little kind of things hidden in there. Another was the place where Mulder, the real address of the place where the warehouse was, where Mulder finds the bodies, where the the set, the real Mm -hmm. address was 1616 Pandora. Huh. And I don't know if you noticed, but they actually, that's, they went ahead and used that address. They made sure to show mm-hmm. that address in. So right before he goes in and opens up that. He opens Pandora's box. He opens box. Pandora's box. Huh. So, I didn't, I know that that was the address, but oh my God, I'm, <laughs> I should have <laughs> noticed that. Um, so lots of little things, but just, it, it was, it was the highest rated episode and the most watched episode of the first season. This was when the X-Files kicked it into high gear and became the show that everybody was watching. Everybody was watching. Especially at that time, like I could imagine people watching it 
at that time and literally thinking to themselves like, oh, crap. What if this is like a documentary? What if this is based on true events? <laughs> you know, it's kind oh, of, yeah. Like, yeah. Andrew and I were actually, I was talking, we were talking at some point. I said, so do you think that this show was what it was because Gen Xers are so skeptical? Or do you think that this show is one of the things that made Gen Xers, Xers so skeptical? <laughs> you know, and I feel like that's kind of like, of you know, it's, it was one of the, these kinds of like conspiracy. I mean, obviously there have always been conspiracy people, but like, I feel like this is the kind of when it became a little more mainstream for like conspiracies, like people started to be like, no, but like, have you ever considered how scary the government is? You know, this was the first time that I think that people really not just the Nazi government, you know, because it was always like, oh, Nazi conspiracies, oh, Soviet conspiracies. But all of a sudden, people went, oh, crap. <laughs> We've got a government, too, yeah. that probably has things to hide. Well, and there's a lot of stuff in there. You know, one, you know, the government's directly involved. The other is the the Erlenmeyer flask that Mulder finds. That's what the episode's named for, is labeled mm-hmm. purity control. And that was the recurring the recurring theme. And, and anytime you hear purity control from a government, it usually winds up being fairly scary. Yeah. Yeah. That brings me to, like, thoughts of eugenics and stuff like that. Right. Purity control. So, I don't like that phrase. <laughs> no. I don't like that sentence. Right, because that's that's what the, Earl, the Erlenmeyer yeah, flask that he finds. That's the password to get mm-hmm. into the place where Scully goes. And Yeah. But this episode was actually uh, nominated for uh, for an Edgar, which is the, the Mystery Writers of America. It's their award for best mystery writing in okay. different categories every year. Huh. Uh, it ended, it did end up losing, but it was nominated for an Edgar, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. But anyway, let's do what? Uh, in an episode of NYPD Blue, I think. Anyway, I think unless anybody had anything they wanted to add about the episode or either of these two episodes, then I think we're about ready to wrap this one up for the night. I don't think so. I'm, I'm good. It was an X. Ex- like we got done with that, and I looked at Andrew. I said, "And that's how you end a season." <laughs> that right there. That's great. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, I guess that's going to wrap us up for tonight. So, Marisha, where can people find you online? You can find me at princessesandpadawans.com. I am princesses and padawans on Instagram. Nope. Princesses <laughs> underscore and underscore padawans on Instagram and p padawans on Twitter. All right, sometimes David? you guys can find me at stay underscore creative DD on Twitter and Instagram or on my YouTube channel, creative D and D where I do podcast videos, all sorts of nerdy esque things. And you can find me running the Twitter account for this show at sci underscore fictionary. You can drop us a line at the science fictionary at gmail.com or you can find us at the science fictionary.com. You can also uh, check out our T public page by going to the sciencefictionary.com and hitting the shop link at the top of the page. You will find our T public page where we are not just selling our own designs, but we are a T public affiliate. And you will find some of the best science fiction and fantasy themed designs that I've been able to track down across T public. They're available in our shop. 
You can also find us as well as the rest of our podcast family at red5network.com or at red5network on Twitter. And until next time, follow us or I swear by my pretty floral bonnet, I will end you. May the force be with you. <laughs>